I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. Entrepreneur and venture capitalist Cut Actigan of Gaussian believes the traditional venture capital model is risking your entire business on a moonshot, and most women founders don't even get to the first round of funding to try. He believes instead in an incremental moonshot, which is a more pragmatic and organic path to success. On this episode, we discuss all things fundraising and a step-by-step guide on how to reach for those stars. Hello, everyone in the Second Shift community. I am thrilled to be welcoming Kut Actigan, who is the founder of Gaussian and is also a client of the Second Shifts. We really love working with you. And you are officially the first man who has done a webinar with the Second Shift. So this is a first big day for us. And I'm just really excited to have you here. So, you know, really diversifying. I am so chuffed and honored uh, and excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Jenny, and, uh, uh, and, and the whole community. Looking forward to it. The reason why we're doing this is because you recently wrote an article that was about venture capital funding for companies and what it means to be an entrepreneur. Now, I know a lot of women in our network are thinking about starting a business or have this idea that you know, we call entrepreneurs. Well, maybe I'll do this. And as somebody who started a business and you, your company invests and is like a tech holding company for B2B and SaaS technology platforms, which I don't really even understand. So we won't get into it, but you've seen founders, you've seen companies, you've seen your own personal experience where there's a lot of counterintuitive knowledge that people should have going into this. If this is something that you're thinking about doing and what we're seeing, sorry to ramble, but like the, you know, a lot of women are leaving the workforce and they're thinking, here's a good idea. I'm going to go out on my own. And they come to us, maybe they're looking, they're in between jobs and, you know, while they go start this thing. And there's a lot of mythology around fundraising that you very clearly debunk. And we started talking about it and I realized that this was something that people could really learn a lot from. Yeah, yeah. It's a good question. And, you know, I think that the mythology and the mythologizing, it's a great, it's a great term um, sort of exists around this. It's such a big endeavor, right? To go and sort of create your own, your own company. It's extraordinarily difficult and challenging, right? There's certainly a lot of glamour around it that kind of coaxes us towards that journey, but it's very hard. And there's also a lot of different paths that can be taken. There's a lot of uncertainty. And anytime there's uncertainty, you find that it's very easy to mythologize. You need something to fill the void, right? When you don't have you know, data or concreteness, um, it's very easy to create, you know, myths around it. And I think that we've been on a long journey, you know, when it comes to the the business of building businesses. And uh, it's sort of time to evolve the conversation, I think, to the next step, which is to start to question some of the ways that we have been going about things. You know, the background, you know, that, that, that I have, and my company has, right, like Gaussian, like you mentioned, is a tech holding company, which is 
jargon, right? It's an umbrella. Uh, we do a lot of different things. There's, uh, you know, a, an investment portfolio of minority investments. There's an advisory arm that works directly with, you know, innovating, you know, teams and groups. But then there's also an internally sort of fully owned and held uh, sort of incubation portfolio. And so across each of these different areas, right? And like you said, it tends to touch B2B, but there is a lot of, you know, there's, there's, there's some sort of B2C that we get involved with as well. Across each of those different approaches, there's different, you kind of have like different fundraising uh, tactics, right? When you fully own something, you necessarily aren't getting equity um, uh, fundraising. So we have sort of that perspective. When you have a minority investment, right? When you act sort of, you know, like a venture capitalist would, you obviously are doing, you know, equity fundraising. That's, you know, the primary lever. And across that entire spectrum, what became very clear to us was that there are many ways to capitalize and build your business that don't just require you to say, I have an idea. What's the first thing? I have to have a check before I can get started. And I think what we increasingly found was that there's a, a more nimble, more incremental, more iterative way to be building a business that treats fundraising as a tool, as opposed to fundraising as the end that you're going for. I've raised the money, yes. Now what, right? Um, so uh, I think that that was over the last several years, what has driven us to start to talk about this a little bit more and, and, and really to reframe the journey of building a business from the lens of the entrepreneur, right? As opposed to the lens of the investor. We've been on both sides of the spectrum and it sort of struck us that there's surprisingly little that looks out for the long-term success and well-being of the entrepreneur um, and that's kind of what we wanted to do. To take it back for one second, there is so much like I was just thinking this morning, I was reading that the broadsheet, which comes out from Fortune, and it was all about women-led or women unicorn businesses, right? So this whole, you know, the dominating topic in the headlines are these unicorn billion dollar valuations, the hell of sunshines, the Spanx, the Maven Clinic, and th that's what dominates. So you think, well, if I'm going to start a business, my goal has to be that. Or if I don't get venture funding, I can never grow so big. And there's all different ways to think about growth because there's a lot of businesses that wouldn't necessarily fit that profile. And there's a lot of businesses that um, there's a lot of like the underbelly of that, what you're not seeing in that story because you're only seeing the headlines. What's the underneath that people should really know about when you're going into this? Because you can get really swept up in a headline and think, well, that's validating too. If I get Benjamin, I'm going to be like these businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so much in what you just said. I want to I want to come back to the topic of validation because um, it's a it's a really really critical one that, that that drives a lot of decision making for entrepreneurs to talk about. I guess like the different strata, like you know this sort of uh, what what lies beneath the headline. You know, one is survivorship bias, right? Um, the you know we 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 gravitate obviously towards the stories of um, survivors. We don't talk about the 99 point whatever percent of companies that actually don't make it, right? Or like blink out of existence or kind of get, you know, absorbed in a, you know, suboptimal, you know, exit. Like this is the vast majority of the story, right? The, the majority of the story is not the, uh, you know, the, the, the Facebooks, Googles um, and the Spanx. 
vast majority of stories are we tried something, we raised a bunch of money, we couldn't get money back to investors, we shed our team, we kind of sort of like, you know, made ends meet. And then eventually we just were like, what am I doing in my life? I'm going to go join Google. <laughs> so um, the- You also don't get paid. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's a really interesting stat that um, something like half of, um, of entrepreneurs, including those, uh, actually specifically those who have investment, right, who, who raise some venture funding, half of them make less than minimum wage. And I mean, New York minimum wage. I don't mean like, you know, $7 an hour. I mean, 15 bucks an hour. When you include their salary and their exit, including like I sold my money for like you know uh, you know bonanza amounts you know to to Comcast, still overall made less than minimum wage. So what's the driver of this? The, the driver of this is, is probability, right? It is the statistics, right? The statistics, and it's you know it's it's the excitement of it too. It's the building something and owning something yes. and. You have an idea, you want to put it out into the world. I was going to say, why do we do this? Because I just was hearing what you're saying and I was thinking, it's a good point. You could make more money going to work for another company and you could founding your own because statistically, if that's the the rate of success, especially for women, it's even worse, I'm sure, because there's so few women, so businesses that are funded. Mm-hmm. Or get to even the like stage, you know, to even get to a series B or to get to, you know, to grow. It's funny. I've been, you know, uh, I've, I've been quoting this stat for the last like several years, and this stat has, you know, there's been a lot of work that's been going on, you know, in the startup community to address this stat. But this stat has actually not changed. And what is that stat? It is the percentage of, um, you know, investor dollars that go to teams with a woman on the on the founding team, um, and that's two percent. And that number is actually, you know, was quoted years ago and we were all up and arms and like, oh no, like we need to do something about this. Like that's abysmal. In 2022, last I checked, it's still 2%. So the question I think is, is less like, how do we win that game? I think the question is more like, how do we reset the game? Like make, make it not a game, right? Like how do we, you know, it's like you're-, you're, you're Create down- a new game. Exactly. There have to be multiple paths. It can't just be one. So what do you recommend is the new way of thinking about going about doing this? Because if you know the odds are stacked against you in one specific pathway where it does work and it does work for lots of different businesses, but it doesn't work for every business. So when you take a hard look at your needs and what, why you're doing and what you're doing, what are the other alternative options available you recommend? There's an approach or sort of a term that we started using, which is the incremental moonshot. The idea being that we shouldn't be suppressing our vision, right? We shouldn't be saying, I want to go to the moon. And therefore, uh, uh, you know, the only way for me to like reliably succeed is to be like, I can't go to the moon. I can go to, you know, I can go to Houston, right? That's as far as I can go. So there has to be some approach that combines that, right? Just like you were saying, it's, it's almost like a, just like a fundamental trait of us entrepreneurs, we like to create stuff. Yeah, it would be so much easier if like we could just like sit in a you know single job and just kind of be very, you know, kind of like excited, you know, day to day with 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 maybe something that isn't kind of like as you know creative or sort of expansive. Uh, but unfortunately that's like uh, you know as much a curse as it is a blessing, right? Because then it means that like we have to be considering you know these like innovative parts. So let's hold on to that. Let's not like suppress the dream. Let's say, great, I want to go to the moon. But there's two ways to go to the moon, right? One is to go to the moon in one go, right? To go and 
collect the money that you think is necessary to ramp up a team extremely quickly to like have a perspective and not listen to other perspectives because there's no time, but just like move quickly, you got to make decisions. You've got to build that thing and build that project, you've got to launch that rocket to the moon. So I'm going to the moon, right? That's where we want to go. But then 10 years later, you've raised $2 billion and you missed the moon, right? Your rocket like maybe exploded halfway, you know, en route, which just kind of like how it, how it goes, I'm afraid in space. I can talk a lot about aerospace separately, but the alternative approach, which would be the incremental moonshot, would be to say, okay, if I'm in this for a long period, if I don't need to get out in five years, if I like innovating and I'm kind of investing in myself, then let me, instead of going to the moon in one shot, let me maybe go there a little more slowly, but a little more uh, profitably at each step, right? So instead of building my rocket on day one, Maybe what I do is I consult for a, a satellite operator, right? And so I'm like working with them. I'm like understanding their needs, right? Learning about the customer, uh, building a relationship. And then eventually I kind of like use some, uh, you know, like hire someone to kind of help me maybe, you know, on the side, like write some software to help me do my job better. And then like I'm doing that and now I'm doing the job less. Software is doing more. I step back. I now work with three satellite operators. I now am making more cash flow. And I take a step back. I'm now working on hardware. I'm now working across like satellites and, you know, uh, shipping logistics. I'm now working across like a dozen clients. They're all paying me. I'm cash flow positive. I'm now working on like a little cube set, right? It's like this big. It's $50,000 to put that thing into low earth orbit. I'm now in low earth orbit. The whole time I'm building something within a domain incrementally. And at every step, I have a valid business. I may or may not end up at the moon at the end of the day after 20 years. I'm always looking at the moon. I may or may not go there, but in some ways you can, uh, I guess, aim for the stars and land on the moon, right? That is the incremental moonshot. And that is this, what I'd say is the more like today versus tomorrow oriented lens to innovating. I think that's just a dose of reality in it, doing things that are proving small, moving slowly towards a goal. I've been watching the We Crashed movie, We Crashed show, and it's like, it's literally like a what not to do and how the venture funding can go wrong when you're aiming for the moon and along the way you're trying to figure out how to build the rocket and that is in some ways the last almost 10 years of what it's looked like to build companies and that's the the path that we've seen so many businesses burn through massive amounts of money and not actually get to the moon and along the way trying to figure out who they are, what they are. Oh, well, I need to get the money. So if I get the money, I'll move my business to this thing. I'll become that to get the money because I need the money. And it's like a it's like a vicious cycle in some ways of people trying to stay alive. So you pivot yourself to do something that the money wants you to be, but then you're not actually doing the thing you set out to do. So right, right, right. right. At this from a place where you can just build a real business fundamentals. And, and there are businesses that need massive amounts of venture money, but not every business does. And not every business needs to get there as quickly and as fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. And, and, and I think that 
a lot of this comes down honestly to to the founders right to the owners of this like young business it's a choice and and i think what 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 we found is that a lot of founders are making the choice without thinking it through some founders actually have thought it through they do understand the odds and they're like this is what i want to do i do want to shoot to try and be that 1% that is my goal that's amazing i want to be very clear about this the venture capital engine is extraordinarily important and valuable in many ways it's one of the best wealth distributors we have um, in the world but there's uh, an abundance of that uh, message and what i think needs to happen is entrepreneurs need to be able to think through the options at their feet and then to say i'm going to i'm going to go you know uh the the billion dollar route or the 10 billion dollar route like that's kind of where i want to go right and i'm embarking on that journey or i'm going the let's say 100 million dollar route right 100 million dollar company is not attractive to the bulk of venture investors right however if a 100 million dollar business that value is gigantic like you know if i mean if you have a million employees obviously it's not very much money but if you have 50 that's actually an enormous amount of of value that you've created and accreted right if you kind of uh, uh you know if if an investor looks at sort of like what i've been saying like you probably say oh this is a private equity approach right to kind of say can you build businesses that are accreting or creating cash flow creating value and proving value in in such a way versus always saying the revenue will come the cash flow will come it'll all like in the future we're going to solve this right in the future we're going to have autonomous vehicles we're going to be super profitable right um if you want to watch the the super pumped tv show right so a lot of the tv shows going on right now about the uh, the sort of 2015 to 2020 high valuation stories so you know it, it, again what's most important is that you have a choice and that you should make that choice with intention and fit it to what you want maybe that's not the lifestyle that you want right and i think that there's been a big taboo even the word lifestyle even the word bootstrapping like there's this negative spin on this idea of building a business that is creating sort of fundamental value immediately i don't know why right i mean it's it's not that we shouldn't be focusing on like something that has no value except for 20 years from now i agree totally but why can't we be creating it's somehow like it's like a failure if you're just building like somehow a lifestyle business is something that's a a hobby when right. Right. i really understand that like if you're making money and helping people there's lots of there's all sorts of businesses in the world but i think there's like in the again in the past 10 years been this idea of like you know founders and we're doing this and we're raising this and there's like a a very small ecosystem and echo chamber right. of the money and the founder and everyone and, and then it becomes kind of like aspirational and it <laughs> be right. part of a club that you people want to be part of but i just I, i do want to touch on that you know i remember when gina and i were first starting we didn't know what the second shift was going to be it was an idea you know we didn't have we didn't know exactly how and where we would get there but we knew that it was a good idea um and we talked to a lot of people about it and there was somebody who said you know you should think of money as if it's not like it doesn't just keep going like make as much money as you need spend what you make be thoughtful and pragmatic about it which is something we've always done because it's just 
it felt right to us. And we have raised many, very small amounts of money from different types of investors that are not institutional. And because of that, we've survived. And there's a lot of people in the world that we've lived in that were much bigger in some ways and are no longer here. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a long game strategy in some ways versus a shooting the moon and taking a risk. You know, it depends right. if you are, you know, the gambler or not. And I guess we right. we'd rather, you know, we have a mission and our mission is helping as many people as possible making uh, and doing something that you know, holds ourselves accountable to that mission, in which case we need to be around. Right. Not an easy thing to scale in the way that it can be. It takes a long time to turn a Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 very true. And you know, in many ways, if if you accept the fact that you are kind of quote unquote cursed with the desire to create, to make, right? Then it, it stands to reason that you're going to want to be doing that for the next many, 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 many years, right? Not just for the next five years. So if your only idea or sort of like you know tactic is to say. I'm just going to focus on the next, you know, five years uh, in terms of I want to get an exit in five years, and then I'm going to be a billionaire and I'm going to have a yacht, and that's it. Then you are not only setting yourself up, you know, for kind of like low probabilities, but also you're ignoring the fact that what are you going to do after that time, right? Like you, you burn so hard, and you, you're in the top 0.1 percent of people um, or of companies, and you're now that like billionaire. You've got the yacht, fantastic. Like what then? Are you are you going to sit around? No, you're going to go and like you're going to be creating something next right at which point it's like well then why did i get out of this one so quickly or like why did i gamble everything just so i could get out of this one instead saying i'm investing myself one of our advisees um said to me something which like which which stuck which is i want to build a hundred year long business and no one will talk to me about that why not right yeah why not you know there's if you like what you're doing and you love doing it you should want to continue doing it. Although now that you mentioned the yacht, I'm <laughs> thinking, did I make the, did we do this wrong? Because I just, now we can be doing this from the yacht. I don't uh-huh, know. We uh-huh, uh-huh. the wrong choice. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, to wrap this up, do you have any advice for those out there who are thinking, you know, in any way, you know, I want to take a first step or I have an idea. What yeah. do you people come to you looking for? Just, just that first step advice. Right. I think the first step is really to take your idea, right, and express it firstly in terms of a need, right? We all have like great solutions and like, you know, sort of thoughts. But if you can phrase that in terms of this is what some customer or client or, you know, uh, individual out there for a nonprofit, like a, you know, a, a member of the community, uh, this is what they want. And this is how my idea fits into that. That's the first step. And actually, it's an ongoing step. You will always have to reframe everything in terms of your customer's needs. The second is to be starting on something immediately, which is learning, right? You're always like a, a startup. It's just a market research company, right? You're just learning more and more every single day. And one way to kind of get out of the trap, the sort of chicken and egg of like, well, like I have this thing, but like I can't get it started until I have my website domain. And then I've got my like, but I have the brand and I have to figure out the colors and I have to hire this branding agency for like $5 million and I have to go do this and I need like 40 people, I need 20 engineers. But you can just be like, how can I just flip it on its head and say, today is day zero. How can I, over the next seven days, prove my idea solves those needs 
better than I know today? How can I prove it? How can I spend seven days and do that? And then make every seven days of your journey into the same question. Every seven days, be moving the ball forward in terms of your learning. Eventually, you'll say, oh, wait, yeah, I guess we need a website domain, <laughs> you know, or like, oh, yeah, I guess we, you know, we, we now we need a you know, team of five engineers because this is what we're doing, right? Versus let me get everything ready. And now products, right? And now let's figure out what we're doing, right? <laughs> like short horizons. Instead of the moonshot, it's like create small short horizons. And then once you get to that one, get to the next one. And then, you know, along the way, you'll see if you, A, still like it, and B, it's still a good idea. Uh, yeah, exactly. Be <laughs> a scientist. Disprove yourself every week, if you can. All right. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here today and talking to us. And thanks for being such a, you know, enthusiastic and loyal client. <laughs> so we love working with you. And I know all the women who have worked with you at Gaussian have enjoyed it as well. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, everyone. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure and an honor to chat. And good luck to the future entrepreneurs and the current entrepreneurs in there. Thank you. Take care. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe, and help us make work work for you and for all women.